Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. Hey, welcome to Politico Tech. Today is Tuesday, December 12th. I'm your host, Stephen Overly. The European Union became the latest government to enact AI rules on Friday, finishing off months of negotiations over its landmark EU AI Act. It's unlikely the U.S. Congress will follow anytime soon, but lawmakers are nevertheless kicking around their own ideas for regulation. And last week, the Senate was focused on existential threats posed by AI. Malo Borgon is the CEO of the Machine Intelligence Research Institute, a California think tank that's been talking about trustworthy AI for over two decades. He was on Capitol Hill to tell senators what rules he thinks are needed to confront those existential threats, even if it's not yet clear when or if they'll actually happen. Mallow's in the camp that AI could go deeply awry if it falls into the wrong hands, and that humans may not have the power to stop it. On today's show, the tech restrictions he wants to see in place. I've seen you talk about or write about that it's likely that developers will sort of soon build these AI systems that do surpass human intelligence and and their human ability and kind of cognitive tasks, and that there aren't these safety measures in place. How do you sort of define likely here? You know, what what are the actual chances that this comes to pass? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a a great point. Um, You know, Forecasting technological progress is super hard. Um, For many, many decades in the field, even when the field was founded in the 50s, people thought that maybe they'd be able to do it in a couple summers, uh, and it turned out to be a much harder challenge than that. Um, When I look at the field today, um, it certainly seems like over the last two to five years, um, there's kind of been a substantial change in the capability of AI systems. When you have the leaders and the people on the ground who are most in touch with the technology saying, hey, heads up, guys, we think this might be, you know, three, five, ten years away. I think that's worth listening to. And maybe we are still a decade or more away, but I wouldn't want to kind of just wait for that and see how it plays out. I think now that we're seeing things with ChatGPT, we should be taking very seriously that it could be, you know, just a handful of years away. Well, so play that scenario out for me a little bit, because I, I, what what comes next if we do develop this kind of AI that does surpass human intelligence? Whether it's three, five, ten years, like what does that look like? Yeah, so I think, uh, you know, just kind of noting that it's always difficult to forecast all the various paths that this could go on and, uh, you know, sure. it could go many different ways. Um, I think this is kind of like a fundamentally different technology that technology basically could do all of the work that humans do. And so if we're thinking about how quickly the technology involved, uh, like might evolve, um, if we get to the point where we're making these general purpose systems and they're uh, as good at AI research as the average AI researcher, um, now we've got the ability to spin up tens, hundreds, thousands of AI researchers who can you know, work much faster than any AI researcher, making AI even better, which can speed things up. Uh, Basically, any job that anyone has could be done by AI systems. And so we should expect these things to just be extremely, uh, you know, there'll be lots of incentives to have them proliferate throughout all of the economy and uh, be doing a lot of stuff. 
hearing you describe that, there are some people who will will hear that and sort of he, hear efficiency, faster innovation, develop. You know, they'll sort of cast this in, in in very positive terms. Why does that worry you? Yeah, I mean, there's a huge amount of upsides that could come with that. I'm less concerned when I'm thinking about you know scientists and a bunch of different uh, you know technology companies who are trying to make good products for the world to to have these capabilities. But imagining, you know, what if, you know, incautious actors have the ability to spin up large teams to automate all kinds of work? What if uh, actors who might have, you know, malicious intent uh, have the capability to have state-of-the-art scientists, you know, AI scientists doing whatever uh, they think would be most helpful for them causing chaos in the world? Just to acknowledge there are present harms today that AI systems are already exacerbating, like uh, systemic effects with bias and we're already thinking seeing things with misinformation but when we're like projecting forward to the the future where we have truly general purpose systems it feels to me like we could end up in a deeply unstable world just from that perspective if we don't have strong control over the technology and who will be able to deploy it for what purposes and then i think you know the thing that i'm extrapolating is we go from there to well, we shouldn't expect these systems to stay human level. Uh, humans are not some sort of peak of cognitive ability. I don't think there's any particular reason to believe that. We see that as we get AI systems that are good at automating cognitive tasks, they often rapidly surpass humans. AI systems that are more capable of than us, that are more intelligent than us, are difficult to supervise. There'll be lots of incentives to give them autonomy because having a human in the loop is slow. We even see this AI systems today. You know, you have the... Uh, AI systems that can help you program. And then ChatGPT adds the Python interpreter plugin. And now instead of copying and pasting code back and forth and running it yourself, you just have the system that can write the program you want and run it and see if it runs properly and then recode it. And that's just way more useful. And so we'll have lots of pressures to have these general purpose systems that are doing long chains of complex tasks all on their own. And just generally supervising that world seems extremely challenging. Uh, and I guess the main fundamental point there is seems like things could start moving really fast with a bunch of systems that are acting very autonomously. And we'd have a very, very shallow understanding of anything about how they work and why they do what they do. And do you see examples of this today in small ways? I wonder if there are examples in the here and now that to you sort of illustrate th these future concerns that we should all be more worried about. I mean, I think we can look at current systems and kind of see the the sparks of what might uh, you know be larger future concerns. So we're already seeing with some of the open source models, people trying to uh, use them to automate disinformation, and people have shown proof of concepts of that with kind of end to end being able to uh, like scale and automate creating disinformation campaigns. Um, we've got nice demos of people kind of having creating autonomous hackers. They're not that capable yet but they'll just keep getting better and better. And there's an interesting paper that came out recently that showed an example of uh, ChatGPT being set up with a little bit of a wrapper to be a, uh, in, a, in a toy stock trader environment. It's working for this firm, and it's trying to make good trades. And, you know, it's not supposed to do anything illegal, and this was all kind of like laid out in the, in the prompt to the system. But throughout the, the scenario, at some point, it got a message from someone else at the firm giving it an insider tip and there was also some pressures that it was getting from messages of like, oh, the firm's not really doing well this quarter. And if we don't do some very profitable trades, we might be in trouble. And so in this scenario, the bot that was based on ChatGPT made that insider trade. Uh, and then when questioned about whether it had any insider information, uh, was deceptive about the fact that it did and did not reveal that information. We have no way of predicting how 
those kinds of systems will trade off against those pressures. And we've got a little, you know, it's a little toy example. I don't think we want to generalize too much from it of like an AI system of today based on chat GPT that uh, did something it wasn't supposed to do and then deceived the people who uh, were corresponding with it. I, I know you're obviously describing the actions of AI, but uh, to be honest, that sounds very human <laughs> to yeah. me, you know, uh, like uh, compromising your ethics, then deceiving people about it. Like, you know, that's, uh, it sounds like a very human, uh, a human move as opposed to a, an AI move. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think one way of, you know, we want to be careful about analogies and that sort of thing, but if that seems a little human to you, well, imagine a world in which we have millions of these things. They're more general purpose. They're operating, you know, uh, very autonomously. We have very difficult ability to supervise them. They're all able to, uh, you know, uh, there's lots of incentives for them to operate autonomously. And so you're like, well, I don't know. If you told me that there'd be a world where I could run humans, you know, a hundred or a thousand times faster and that they were much more intelligent, and I took millions of, or more and unleashed them onto the world, I'd be like, well, that seems like a pretty wild thing to do. I'm not sure that I trust all those humans to do the right thing and the world not to become very chaotic. Right. No, that <laughs> I, I, I hear that point. Yeah, and it, like you were saying earlier, without human oversight of it or, or control of it necessarily, then obviously there, that raises a lot of questions. We just had um, Janet Haven from Data and Society on the podcast recently, um, mm-hmm. and she made this argument that Essentially, there's sort of too much focus on these existential threats when, you know, AI has real and present problems, right, including things like bias and deception. I wonder if you have a rebuttal to this idea that we shouldn't be so focused on the existential when there's so much happening here and now. I mean, I don't really think of it as a rebuttal. I mean, I think the point is just correct, that there are important issues to deal with today I don't think this is a, like, we have to choose one. Um, you know, we could talk about a little bit of the details. I think many of the things that we can be doing today to address the present harms um, are often compatible with the first things we should be doing to try and actually start to put frameworks in place to be able to address these future risks. And so I'm like, why don't we find ways to have the things that we're doing today address both? You know, people are talking about, well, we should have evaluations for systems um, to ensure that they don't have, you know, behaviors that we think would be problematic even for present harms. Well, we're also evaluating behaviors for dangerous capabilities. Um, you know, we could require those things and have those whole set of evaluations be required. Um, we could do things like then mandate thresholds where if systems were, you know, past a certain level of capability or exhibited a certain behavior that more safety requirements would be uh required in order to be able to continue to deploy those systems. And that's, yeah, that's just like all, all compatible. I think we can just, we can just do both and should do both. I don't think that we should dismiss the present risks of, of today. They're, they're already having huge impacts. And I think that will just scale and we should find a way to, to do it all together. Well, in terms of kind of the, the policy asks that you have or, or, or the solutions that you sort of see as viable, I, I wanted to dive into a couple of those that stuck out to me. One was this idea of using um, microchips and other hardware, you know, in some ways, this sort of a a choke point, at least these things are in high demand, there's a limited number of them, that's a way to kind of control the development around AI. Can you briefly walk me through what you think the government can do there? I think it's important to note that for the main, you know, most powerful frontier systems, uh, one of the main gating factors is hardware. Uh, and if we're really looking to a world in which um, things might, you know, become pretty unstable, if people can uh, incautiously or maliciously use these systems, 
that one of the ways of kind of one of the choke points we have is to ensure that only people who will proceed cautiously uh, that we can you know have oversight over will have access to the hardware needed to develop these most powerful systems. I don't have the expertise to say, well, here's exactly the mechanisms you use to restrict that access. You know, we've already started some things with, you know, export controls uh, for various countries. I feel a little leery about that. You know, I think this is a global problem. And I would rather that kind of China and the U.S. find a way to both acknowledge that they don't want to race towards the cliff and find ways to get the benefits of the technology and, and work together on that. To the extent to which, as this becomes a global issue and more countries take it seriously, yeah, I'd like governments to find ways to to bring as many people into that as possible. But, you know, there's not that many people who can make these powerful chips, and we can start by having the people who host them have a better sense of who their customers are. We can't decide in five years if it really turns out that things went as quickly as we were maybe thinking they would to then, oh my God, how do we how do we ensure that, you know, someone can't train a very dangerous system? It's a hard problem, and I think we should be starting to investigate today how we can be moving towards a world where we have the option of, of having that control. We'll be right back. The Biden administration is moving forward with a slew of new regulations that put products like semiconductors, electric vehicles, modern healthcare technology, and clean energy at risk. Chemistry is essential to our modern lives, creating products to help foster a more sustainable and competitive future. The Biden administration must change its course and work with manufacturers on science-based policies that protect American innovation. Learn more at chemistrycreates.org. This idea that we don't really fully understand how AI is even being developed, despite the fact that it's humans who are who are largely doing the developing how do you make that make sense to people, you know, who on the outside think, you know, how can we not understand something that humans are creating? I think it's a tricky one. One of the ways I often talk about it is that, you know, this isn't like people are writing code describing what the AI does. The process of developing AI systems the way that we, you know, the most powerful ways that we do today are kind of more like growing them. And so we kind of design a process for how the system learns. And you can kind of think of that in, as a really rough analogy as like evolution. And then we run that process on a bunch of data and it uh, creates one of these AI systems. But these AI systems are enormously complex inside. It's, it's extremely opaque. And people are working on this problem, but it's a, it's a very difficult problem. Well, and if these systems are such a black box, the question that raises to me then is how can we expect regulators or or anyone to actually create solutions to the problems if we don't even fully understand how they're being developed, right? I mean, if if the developers don't fully understand it, how can members of Congress ever fully understand it? Yeah. So one of the things that I would love to see Congress take action on is to start requiring the labs who are doing this work to do the best kind of the best evaluations of at least the capabilities of their system that that we have. We already do some amount of trying to test what the capabilities of these systems are. And what I would like to see put in place is on top of requiring these types of evaluations that we actually put thresholds in place. So let's say, you know, there's a topic that's very popular today of maybe these systems will be able to create dangerous biological compounds or pathogens. We could have evaluations that test whether a system is getting to that threshold. And when we get to that threshold, I think a thing that we could do is require that the AI companies have to demonstrate 
a much you know deeper understanding of those systems or have much more stringent security practices in place so that those models can't proliferate into the world where arbitrary people can use them um, and that the access to them is more restricted until we can grapple with how to solve these problems. And so this doesn't require Congress to understand how the system works. It requires Congress to put in place thresholds that if the labs get to these capabilities and the and they haven't made progress on understanding how the systems work, then we need to kind of step back and reevaluate. I think it's also a good compromise with the people who are less worried. You mm. know, if, if you're not that worried that systems will have these capabilities, yeah, let's set up some evals for these. And if those people are right, then they won't trigger for a very long time, if at all. And so, you know, we can, you know, the government can have visibility into the progress of these systems and those companies can continue to innovate. And if the concerns are legitimate, then we'll hit those thresholds and we won't end up in a situation. The thing that I'm worried about is ending up in a situation where these companies have very powerful, capable systems and, you know, governments and the rest of the world are kind of caught flat-footed, not really having any sense of how to deal with them. Are you a believer in this idea of sort of an AI kill switch? Like if these systems run amok, having sort of a a simple way to pull the plug? Uh, I think it's a complex idea, um, but I do think that something like the ability to be able to you know, shut down the systems or halt development on the technology if we pass some very dangerous thresholds and we haven't made the required advances in the science of understanding how they work, that it can be pretty difficult to continue to have a relatively stable world if we don't have some way of going, oh shit, it's happening, can we, can we just right. all take a breath? And so that some people have been using that, the term off switch for that. At some point, if we actually do succeed here, we'll need the ability to only have people develop these systems if we think we can take them safely and we'll need to have the ability to uh, not have incautious or malicious actors get a hold of them. And the stuff you need to do to get the world into that state and cooperate with other governments is the same thing you need to do to like build an off switch. Got it. Well, um, you know, we'll have to have you back to check in on this stuff from time to time until one or both of us is automated uh, away to, <laughs> to a, I don't know where they stand on uh, podcast host bots, but hopefully that's uh, a decade or more away. Um, well, Mala, listen, thanks for being here on Politico Tech. Hey, thanks for having me. It was great. That's all for today's Politico Tech. For more tech news, subscribe to our newsletters, Digital Future Daily and Morning Tech. Music in today's episode comes from the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Our senior producer is Annie Reese. Our editors are Steve Heuser, Daniela Cheslow, and Louisa Savage. I'm Stephen Overly. I'll see you back here tomorrow. 